Hello everyone, my name is Zachary Rodier, and welcome to episode 12 of the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast. And uh, well, we have a exciting show for you today, and uh, we start off this show with exciting news that hockey is back, along with the NHL. Uh, the NHL and the NHL PA have uh, formally ratified that tentative agreement about the CBA uh, and the memo of understanding, along with phase three and phase four protocol meaning that hockey is coming back August 1st with, 1st with exhibition games that will go from July 28th to July 30th. Um, so hockey's coming back. Could not be more excited about that. Uh, and we'll talk all about that in our new segment later in the show. Um, but a lot of other exciting things uh, because when this agreement was ratified, that means training camps start on July 13th, uh, the Monday. Uh, which is when I am recording this podcast, training camps have started on the podcast episode will be, of course, released on the 14th. Um, But since training camps started today, we have an exclusive interview with the Columbus Blue Jackets insider Jeff Svoboda, uh, who covers the Columbus Blue Jackets for bluejackets.com. He was at the Ice House today uh, where the Columbus Blue Jackets started their training camp. Oh, he watched both groups and also uh, got to ask some questions uh, to all the coaches and the players uh, during the media availability time. Um, So we're excited to have him on. And of course, uh, after that interview with Jeff, uh, we're going to talk all about this uh, agreement, announcement, uh, and revolving all teams around the NHL. Uh, But without further ado, let's get into that interview to talk about training camps. Uh, and the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the Blue Jackets insider, Jeff Svoboda. Enjoy. Today, the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast is excited to welcome the insider for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Today's guest travels with the team to cover everything you see on bluejackets.com. Before being with the Jackets, he was a sports editor for the Toledo Blade. And today, Monday, July 13th, he was back at Nationwide Arena at day one of the Columbus Blue Jackets training camp. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Jeff Svoboda. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on, especially now that uh, things are starting to ramp up. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's exciting. We're a little bit, uh, not quite normal, obviously, but this, yeah. is a, this is a good step to try to get us back to a little bit of normal and having uh, the Blue Jackets out there. It was nice to hear uh, the start of training camp today, the, the shots going off the glass and off the post yeah. and stuff. Uh, the sounds of hockey are back. Yeah, and it's a, it's a great sound. Uh, so... I know that a lot of Blue Jackets players have been on the back on the ice during Phase Two, um, but how great was it to have the whole team back today uh, with training camp? Yeah, and that was something that the the guys talked about quite a bit in the interviews afterward. Was that you know they had been back, but they can only be out there in groups of twelve. Yeah. Uh, so there were a lot of guys that hadn't seen other guys, and you know we had some uh, players come in uh, late last week as well. So you know some guys who hadn't been back for a while. Uh, so yeah, to get everybody back out there, uh, it, it was good. It was kind of a feeling of uh, kind of getting the, the band back together, getting the group back together, or whatever. However you want to say it, the boys are back in town. Whatever yeah. uh, song lyric or whatever you want to go with yeah. uh, at this point, you know they all talked about they, they're excited to see each other, they're excited to be back together, and they're excited now. Um, you know, get through this training camp and, and kind of put the blinders on and, and try to win the Stanley Cup because that's you know that's why we're doing this. Yeah. Uh, and so with all the stuff that's going on in the world, uh, you know, they're not turning a blind eye to that. Obviously, they, mm-hmm. they know that. But at the same time, they're, they're coming back together to win something. And so now from here on out uh, until the end, they're, they're here to, 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 to play hockey, basically. And so, you know, they got to get that focus back and, and really just kind of uh, go from there. Yeah, and in phase two, uh, John Tortorell wasn't there either to, to skate them as well. So, I mean, that's a big difference as well. Um, especially with all the skating they had today. But uh, tell me what it was like and how was the atmosphere? Obviously, uh, it was closed to the public, and I know there were a few people outside the Ice House uh, watching uh, through the glass, uh, and you were there as well. So what was it like? Well, like I said, first of all, the, the thing that kind of stands out is just being excited to, to be back. Uh, you yeah. say hearing those sounds of hockey again, hearing the skates and the Zamboni and the, you know, the shots going off the glass and all that stuff was really kind of fun to be back. And then for all of us as well, uh, you know, you think about all the time that everybody spends together, that the, you know, the players were said that they were excited to see that their friends and the people that they spend all that time with together during a season. Well, for us in the media as well, it's very similar. Uh, you know, we spend so much time with, with mm-hmm. each other and, you know, Aaron Portsline and, 
uh, Brian Hedger and Allison Lucan and Dave Metzel. Those are people I see on a daily basis for six months. And then we went four months without really seeing a lot of those people. Yeah. So first of all, uh, just from a personal aspect, I think everyone was pretty excited to kind of see each other uh, in the flesh again, rather than on a Zoom meeting or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, but then actually the, the actual hockey, you know, it was intense. There was not a whole lot of standing around. Um, not a huge surprise because they wanted to get everybody back out there. And, you know, they wanted the puck on their stick a lot. They wanted them to skate a lot. Uh, so there was not a whole lot of wasted time and uh, wasted movement. It was up and down the ice, a lot of drills, um, a lot of skating, things like that. And so uh, it, it felt intense. It really felt like, uh, you know, a chance for everyone to kind of get back together and, and uh, you know, sort of getting that training and the, you know, the, cause the hardest thing, and, you know, I play hockey recreationally and not that that means anything, but uh, you know, the first time I was back out on the ice after not being out there for three or four months during this whole thing, it was like, Oh my, it's like, I'm so tired right yeah. now. Uh, yeah. You know, so the, there's nothing that can duplicate game action. You know, practices are the closest thing that you can come to it. And then there's really nothing else that's even close. And so for these guys to get back out there, uh, get their skating legs back underneath them a little bit. That's the biggest thing of what these first couple of days of camp are going to be about. And so they weren't messing around with that today. It was go out mm -hmm. there and, and skate and get the puck on your stick and try to get ready to play some hockey. No, I agree with you. I was on the ice a few days ago uh, volunteering uh, for the sled hockey team because they had a practice and I put on my skates and I was like, wow, I, I didn't remember them uh, feeling hurting a little bit. Uh, so it's definitely a, a big, once you're not on the ice for a while and you can't go to the gyms and, especially with the players. Yes, they're not on the ice all the time during the off season, but usually they have uh, time to go to the gym and can go to the gym, but they also didn't have that opportunity as well. Um, but how are those press conferences today? Uh, obviously, a, a different scenario uh, not being in the locker room, huddled all around all the players or being that regular room with torts. Yeah, it was certainly different. They have kind of a remote setup situation for us. Uh, and you can go to uh, you know, Blue Jackets uh, Twitter feed or even the website now, we've uploaded kind of a lot of the stuff from today. Uh, and, and you can kind of see just how different everything is. Where basically uh, they have a setup down right outside the locker room where with the chair, where the, uh, whether it be John Tortorella or the players go and kind of sit in that chair and they look and there's a TV monitor that they can see us basically. And we're upstairs basically uh, right up by the, on the concourse by the, uh, by the ice house. Uh, and we go in front of a camera to ask our questions. And so they can see us when we ask the question. Then we kind of stand there awkwardly and listen to the answer <laughs> Well, after it's being uh, asked. And so then, and then you kind of go back and the next person comes up. And so it's definitely a little bit weird. Um, but everyone was great with it today. You kind of got used to how it's going to go. Uh, you know, you have to make the, the best of what's a weird situation right now. Uh, and so, yeah, it's just a little bit different. But, you know, Torts was uh, – I was a little interested to see how he was going to do with Zoom because I know he's sort of famously not the most technologically advanced person in the world. Yeah. Uh, but he, he did about 15 minutes. Uh, you know, he didn't give us too much crap, uh, and he, he was good with it. So uh, it's something we're going to have to get used to here over the next couple of weeks. And it's definitely – now you're talking about it right now with the training camps, uh, but it's definitely going to be a bigger jump uh, once they do head to Toronto um, because yeah. a lot of the reporters uh, – I don't know if you'll be there in Toronto – uh, but I know a lot of them won't because uh, the media is not able to go in. Um, but what are you expecting uh, for – will there be press conferences like this every day? Is that uh, how most of the teams in the NHL are going to be doing it with coaches every day, or are they giving them a little bit of break? It looks like we're going we're gonna to do every day. And, of course, things <laughs> change uh, yeah. as they go. And if we get to a day, uh, you know, there's, there's only so many things you can ask uh, yeah. as this whole thing goes along. Uh, but as of right now, yeah, the plan is we're going to probably have torts every day after practice uh, as they go through this camp here, uh, this phase three, and then a handful of players uh, as well uh, each day. Um, and then, you know, if you, if you want some requests for guys, you can make those as well. And then uh, once they go up to Toronto, yeah, there's not going to be a whole lot of access. Even in Toronto, the people who are allowed in the building uh, from a media perspective are still not allowed to do any in-person interviews. Everything yeah. has to be virtual through this whole tournament. So uh, I, I'm not actually going to go. I don't know that anyone – uh, any lone local here from the Blue Jackets uh, media is going to go. And, and that makes sense because I think, you know, when you're playing in Toronto, you're playing in Edmonton, there's a fair amount of national NHL media in those cities. Yeah. And if you can figure out a way to, to have them in the building, uh, there's no harm in having them in the building, but you, you don't want to give them priority access to what we're not getting uh, yeah. elsewhere. And so th that's the way it's going to be. It's going to be Zoom uh, videos or virtual videos or however you want to describe this uh, all the way through the end of the playoffs. And so it's going to be – Really interesting, you know, Torx yeah. is not exactly, when the playoffs start, he can sometimes uh, not be the uh, chattiest guy in the world. And so especially yeah. after losses, it'll be interesting to see 
how this technological setup goes. And, and you know, there'll be one or two times where he's just not feeling it, I don't think. Uh, but by and large, uh, you know, we'll, like I say, we'll just have to make the, the boast of it. And it's a, it's a different situation, but you got to do what you got to do. And maybe there won't be losses for a little bit, uh, hopefully. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, but what is your sense when it does come down to the, who the Blue Jackets take into the bubble, who they don't, um, only they have to shave off a few players. Um, so who do you think stays behind? Do you think they take three goalies or four and take another forward or defenseman off? Uh, or do they – I've been hearing some things uh, across the league that some teams are thinking about leaving more players behind instead of the 31 so they can bring more team personnel like another masseuse or something like that. What do you think the Blue Jackets are going to do? It'll definitely be interesting to see how this shakes out. And I think if you're the Blue Jackets, uh, you might trend toward taking more players just because, I mean, you saw how many injuries you had yeah. this year. Uh, maybe you're a little kind of – you can't really bring anyone into the bubble uh, yeah. once they're up there. So, I mean, the list of players who are going has to be submitted before you go. And there's no, there's no subs uh, at that point. And so I kind of feel like with all the injuries that happened and, and so many of these guys deserve the chance to go because of the yeah. way that they stepped up and played throughout the year, uh, that it wouldn't surprise me if they go with the full complement of 31 players. I would take four goalies, honestly, uh, just because of the fact that, you know, these games are going to come fast and furious. You know, the, the first round, it's going to be five games in eight days. So your goalies on those off days are not going to be doing a whole lot of work. I mean, whoever starts that game is probably going to pretty much miss that practice the next day. It maybe be out there for five or 10 minutes just to, to skate a little bit. Of, but at the end of the day, you're not putting that goalie through a full practice probably. Uh, and then I said, if you have an injury uh, or two, which we've seen with the Blue Jackets, we saw both goalies get hurt. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if you know, you, you want to just have that fourth guy because, you know, if one guy gets hurt, then you're, you're in a situation where suddenly you, you only got two guys to, for practices for everything. Uh, and so, and if God forbid two guys get hurt, then you, you, know, yeah. you need another guy. So uh, I kind of feel like if you, if you can pull off, you know, having four goalies up there, I think it would make a lot of sense to do it uh, just to cover all scenarios. But yeah, I mean, you know, they've got 33 guys here, 31 or uh, at most can go up there. So there's going to have to, uh, shave off on the backside and I guess it's going to depend on how these guys perform I mean you can see you know they got 11 defensemen here and I don't think they need to take 11 defensemen yeah. so it wouldn't surprise me you know Adam Clendenning would be the guy just you know he hasn't played a game this year for the Blue Jackets it was up and down with the injuries but I think he's probably pretty clearly the way the year went number 11 on that depth chart is he a guy that kind of gets shaved off you know forwards they've, they've ended up playing so many of these guys throughout the year yeah. but you know you can do the you know Cam Atkinson's obviously going you know Oliver Bjorkstrand is going you can probably do the math on how it's going to end up, uh, you know, who are the guys that might end up kind of being cut off the, the end. But, you know, they want to get a look at everybody and who they think can contribute and then go from there. So it'll be, uh, you know, the good news is they don't have to make it a huge cut down. It's not like you're yeah. cutting down to 23 guys like you'd have to do uh, for the first game of a season. So, you, you know, you've got a little bit of leeway there. Uh, and you can take – good news is you can, you, can take, uh, you can take a pretty good number of guys and just have them there in case you need them. Yeah, and you can if, – if the coach ever changes their mind and this goes for any team uh, – they can just uh, move the lines all the time uh, and put guys in who are underperforming and change things all the time. But I think it was an interesting point uh, when you were talking about uh, the goalies and the practices. I think that is actually a really good point, and maybe that is why uh, teams would take a fourth goaltender uh, because especially in this qualifying round, there will be a back-to-back. -back. Um, so maybe those two goalies will not want to to practice that day, and we don't know uh, – Obviously, they want to rush the schedule. We don't know if in the first round or the second round there will be back-to-backs either. Um, so having more goalies could come in hand. Um, but what do you think the lines could look like uh, what, going into the series? I, I mean, lines are really difficult, especially with the moving pieces all the time. Uh, but do you think young prospect Liam Foody, uh, who has been with the Jackets a few times this season, do you think he gets a crack at the roster for game one? Well, I think they want him to. Uh, you know, they've got him with the first group right now, and, and Torch talked quite a bit today about, you know, they, they've set the groups up. You know, they've got a first group that has uh, 22 skaters, including only 12 forwards, and you dress 12 forwards in the game. So that leads you to believe that as of right now, that, you know, those are the 12 guys who they think if they played a game today would be their 12 forwards. Mm -hmm. um, and then the 11 guys who are kind of in the second group, uh, you know, Torch kind of cautioned. It was weird. He basically said, you know, this is what I think of the guys right now. So this is why we broke it up the way we broke it up. But at the same time, you know, the guys who are in that second group, like the Nathan Gerbys and Kevin Stenlins and Andrew Peaks of the world and Devin Shore, you know, guys who have played a lot of NHL hockey, uh, you know, he feels confident enough that, you know, those guys could jump back up into that first group. And so mm -hmm. it was, it was a, you know, there was almost like a, this is how I feel today scenario as to how the groups are broken up. 
Um, and then, but that could very well change as, as they see how these guys kind of react to everything that's going on. So, uh, but as of right now, I mean, the fact that Liam is with the first group is a sign that I think they, you know, they view him as, as one of the top 12 forwards at this day and time. And maybe in a week or two, uh, someone will pass him or maybe, you know, he'll struggle a little bit. But frankly, I thought he looked pretty good today. Uh, scored a nice goal, kind of showed off uh, some of his offensive instincts in like a two-on-two situation where uh, he was able to pull the puck kind of out of traffic and, and really wait out Elvis Merzlikens before slipping it by him underneath his legs. So, uh, you know, he, you can kind of see that little bit of that scorer's mentality and certainly his speed stands out as well. Uh, and so at the end of the day, uh, I would not be surprised at all if he's in there for that first game. I think that's the plan as of right now. Uh, the plan can change, and it'll be up to the player uh, a little bit. It'll be up to the players chasing him as well. But I think, you know, like I say, right now, if they played a game, I think Liam Foody is in that lineup. And so, you know, the 12 they had out there today, and, and those are two pretty good lines. You know, you've got yeah. some good speed with him and, uh, you know, Eric Robinson together. And then you see a line like uh, Texier, uh, Dubois, and Bjorkstrand, and go, boy, that could be a pretty good line. And you just yeah. look up and down them, and, you know, there's some pretty, good, uh, some pretty good balance there. So I would feel pretty good about this team, however they put it together, uh, for what we're going to see on August 2nd against Toronto. And only time will tell, uh, but when it comes to the qualifiers, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets and the city of Columbus were a, they were possibly going to be a hub city. And of course now it's Edmonton and Toronto. Uh, but now once they're in Toronto, how do you see them stacking up against a team like Toronto, who is going to be playing in their home arena? Uh, even though there will be no fans, uh, do you think this will be a disadvantage uh, to the Blue Jackets? I don't think it'll be much of one to be honest with you, just because of what you said with the no fans and the, you know, the atmosphere is going to be uh, very different than what everyone is used to. Uh, I just don't think without fans or the, the whole mess advantage means a whole lot. Maybe Toronto knows, you know, slightly more about the boards or the glass or something like that. But yeah. I don't, at the end of the day, I don't think that's going to really factor in and, you know, they're going to have to be in the quarantine bubble as well. So it's not like they're going home to their, uh, home at night and so maybe there's a little bit of comfort in, in being in that home dressing room when Toronto is the home team but you know at the end of the day I think that's really not going to matter a whole lot and in fact maybe it's worse you know for Toronto if they're in their yeah. home city but they can't go uh, to the places they're used to going and it's just going to maybe feel weirder for them than it is going to feel for, for Columbus uh, just because they are going to be home and but not at home in a way so uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see how that all works out but I really just don't feel like that's going to end up you know having a whole lot to do with how this this breaks down um, and plus the Blue Jackets, just like any Canadian or any hockey team, you know, they've got a fair number of guys who are from that area as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like it's a, a foreign you know, situation for them. You know, the, like, you know, the Ontario guys are pretty used to being up there and playing anyway. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think that's going to end up being a huge thing. And maybe I'll be wrong. It's so hard to predict, yeah. you know, with all the things that are going on, it just feels like everything's changing. And uh, this is all unprecedented for so many people. But my kind of sense is that uh, from the Hope City standpoint, it's just not going to end up playing that big of a deal, in, in my opinion. It just I don't feel uh, like it's going gonna, it's gonna to matter a whole ton, but we will, I guess we'll find out at the end of the day. And now, I, I, this is something I may have seen uh, on the NHL website, but it looks like the first two games will be uh, seed, the better seed, and then uh, game three and four will be uh, the lower seed. Do you get a sense of why that is and why it's not? game one goes to the higher seed game two goes to the lower seed and so on why is it they're still doing those chunks even though game four may not happen yeah I guess that's a uh that's a good question I guess it kind of feels like well you're always kind of ahead I guess a little bit that whatever the team is uh that, that plays more games at home earlier has a chance to end up playing more games at home uh, uh so it is kind of you know if you think of a seven game series if you win in five and you're the home team you'll play three games at home versus two for mm -hmm. the other team so that's kind of how the math works out and I guess you look at the way that it's been kind of done for, uh, you know, you look at baseball when they do five game series, I think they kind of, they tend to break it up uh, into those chunks and, and travel, I guess, would be one of the reasons why. And that's, that's not a situation that you have to deal with uh, here in the bubble. So I guess you could have alternated it if you really wanted to, but uh, it probably doesn't matter a ton is that just, you know, it's going to be one of those situations where, uh, you know, it's just sort of a designation, I guess, a little bit more than anything else. And so, you know, I guess two, the first two will be the, the Toronto, the home team, Columbus, the next two, and then I think Toronto for game five. And so uh, I guess you could have alternated it. I, I, I really hadn't even thought about that to, to this point, to, me, to be honest with you. And maybe, you know, maybe there is an advantage of, you know, being the home team for the first two games, you get that last change. But again, kind of like the Hub City thing, it just doesn't feel like it's going to yeah. play that big of a role at the end of the day, considering, uh, you know, again, home, home is a very different sort of thing right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, with everything that's Who gets on. to wear what jersey, basically? Uh, and we yeah. don't know uh, what the broadcasting point of view is if 
they're going to be able to pipe uh, fans into it anyways. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but Toronto's a very offensive team. The Blue Jackets are known to be one of the best offensive teams in the league. Uh, how do the Blue Jackets generate enough scoring? Uh, where And where do you think these goals come from? And do you think that defense or offense uh, usually wins and prevails? It's a, it's a fascinating discussion from the standpoint of, you know, in the playoffs, I think defense usually is the thing uh, that, you know, the teams that make it far in the Stanley Cup playoffs are usually not giving up, you know, three plus goals a game. That's just, that's not a recipe for success in playoff hockey. You know, I think you have to be a strong defensive team to win in this kind of setup, but the, which would favor the Blue Jackets. But sort of the mm -hmm. inverse of that is, you know, whenever an NHL season starts, scoring is usually up at the beginning of the season. And then as teams kind of batten down the hatches a little bit defensively and play more together and that defensive cohesiveness kind of comes together you see teams get better defensively as the year goes on uh but instead that you know the Jackets are gonna have to be on their game defensively from you know the very first game uh after a four-month layoff and so it's sort of a fascinating discussion to see how it's all going to work out and which of those things will kind of end up leading the way uh you know will the will the strong defensive team win or will it be hard for the strong defensive team to be a strong defensive team uh, when they're start kind of rebuilding that chemistry. So, you know, I, it really will be the fascinating thing. But I also think, too, and I asked Cam Atkinson about this today, you know, you know everyone's going to talk about Toronto's ability to score, and, and with good reason, because of, you know, you don't have to name the superstars on that team. Yeah. People know who those guys are. Uh, but, you know, this Columbus team has, you know, a Zach Wierenski, who led the NHL in goals among defensemen. You know, it's got Seth Jones, who can add some offense from the blue line. It's got Cam Atkinson, who scored 40 goals last year. Albert Bjorkstrand, you know, probably would have been close to being a 40-goal guy this year if he'd stayed healthy. Uh, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of building as well and has become a pretty you know, consistent 20 to 30-goal guy. So the Blue Jackets can score, and they're going to have the whole complement of people back. And so uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if this team kind of surprises people now that they've got everybody back, uh, that they end up being a little bit more potent offensively than I think what people were used to uh, as the season went on when they really hung their hat on the defensive side of the game. And I can't wait to find out and see all these great games. Uh, it's going to be exciting. Uh, we're hearing they're going to start at 12 and go all the way till midnight until games end. So, I mean, that's a hockey lover's dream and every hockey fan's dream to see that many hockey games. Uh, but when it comes to the NHL awards, we probably would have had the NHL awards already. And it'll probably be official tomorrow. Um, but John Torella is reportedly a finalist for the Jack Adams after coaching the Blue Jackets through all these injuries. Um, I know you can't comment on that right now, but how has Torts changed the team and how does his coaching affect uh, the qualifying series against a team with a first-year coach? And how does that give an advantage to the Jackets? Yeah, it could very well be a, an advantage for Columbus just because, you know, Torts has certainly been through the wars. He's coached a lot of playoff teams. Uh, he's won a Stanley Cup, which he did in 2004 with Tampa Bay. So, you know, I think there is a little bit of an element of, of uh, uh, he certainly he's got experience on his side, uh, which, which can be a plus. Uh, you know, if you look at the way the Torts coached this team throughout the year, I mean, they really took on his personality in a lot of ways. And, you know, he preached as the injuries mounted, uh, you know, we just need to keep playing, keep playing. Don't think about the guys who aren't out there. Uh, just play our game. Just go out there. You know, anytime, obviously a lot of the people were asking about injuries as the year went on because it was one of the dominant storylines of the year, but you could start to see him bristle underneath it. You know, every time a guy got hurt that, you know, this question was going to come up and it was like, our mindset does not change. You know, we're not focused on who's not out there. We're only focused on who we have, yeah. uh, which was obviously what this team kind of had to do to get through all the things that happened to it throughout the year. And, you know, he's really built a team in his image that, that is able to handle, you know, when bad things happen, they just kind of shrug it off and keep going. You know, they're, they're a hardworking team. Uh, you know, I think if you ask around the league, they were probably one of the hardest teams to play against in the league. Uh, you know, so they, they've certainly listened to his style. Uh, and I think that the way he's kind of built this team and, you know, when he came in here, this was kind of a franchise that was a little, I don't want to say rudderless, but, you know, it needed that strong leader to come in and say, this is the way things are going to be here. Uh, and this team has really grown together, and I think he's done a great job of coaching it. And, uh, you know, he's done a great job of coaching it all four seasons, but you know, I think he built them in a way that they could also be successful to go through the kind of situation that they went through this year, not just with the injuries, but losing the players they did to free agency in the offseason. So, you know, they do take after him in a lot of ways, and, you know, I, I think that just as we saw last year where they got down in that first game against Tampa and came back, you know, it's going to take a, it takes an awful lot to kill this team. It's, you know, they're not just going to have something bad go wrong and go, Oh God, what are we going to do? Uh, you know, they, they take on towards his personality and they keep coming at you no matter what happens. And that's what you kind of have to do in a playoff series. Yeah. And uh, now to, to go now more into your career and shift gears a little bit, 
I can't imagine that you grew up and expected to be a hockey reporter and an insider for the Columbus Blue Jackets, because frankly, I don't know if the Blue Jackets were even a team back then. <laughs> uh, tell me how you developed a love for hockey and how you did get this job uh, coming from Toledo. Yeah, well, I've always loved uh, hockey. It's probably been my favorite sport since I was a kid. And I, I actually grew up in the Cleveland area. Um, and I was a big fan of the Cleveland Lumberjacks, which was the IHL team up there. It was a farm team for the Penguins, which, you know, looking back now is kind of funny, obviously, with <laughs> yeah. the rivalry that has developed between the Jackets and Penguins. But I, you know, I went to games. And it's also kind of funny because I remember uh, seeing, you know, Martin St. Louis, who ended up being a coach here last year, uh, was on the Lumberjacks back then. And then Brad Shaw, who's a coach now for the Blue Jackets, uh, one of the assistants was on the the, the uh, Detroit team that had a pretty big rivalry uh, with the Blue Jackets. So I go back, you know, on this minor league stuff quite a while. And so, yeah, I just grew up watching the sport, always liked it, uh, never played it until I got older. Uh, but it was just a sport that I always really enjoyed uh, and ended up, you know, I always wanted to be a writer, always wanted to do journalism. So I, I went to Ohio State to, for their journalism program and uh, was very active there as a student working, you know, for the student newspaper. I was a sports editor for three quarters. Uh, I was a sports director of the student radio station for a while uh, as well. So I kind of got my feet wet and all the different kinds of things you can do in media. Uh, and I was also really lucky that from the time I was a sophomore at Ohio State, you know, all the, until I graduated, I was a credentialed person for the football games just because I did the student radio and then I did the writing for the newspaper uh, at Ohio State. I was always there and I got to meet a lot of people and, and a lot of the uh, writers were pretty used to having me around uh, that covered Ohio State football. So when I, when I graduated, I knew enough people that when one of the places had an opening, which was uh, Buckeye Sports Bulletin, uh, I was able to get a job there. Uh, we worked, the timing worked out, obviously, a little bit uh, fortuitously. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I just was, you know, just kind of – you show up, you work, you do your best, and hopefully you meet people, and that helps you get along on the road to where you, where you go. And so kind of just kept following that path, kept working hard, you know, spent nine years with uh, Buckeye Sports Bulletin, really enjoyed it. Uh, we also covered a couple other things, and so I kind of got to meet more people, including – uh, there was some stuff we did with the Blue Jackets, and so I was able to be at some games there and, and kind of uh, build some contacts. And then uh, in 2015, there was a job open in Toledo uh, where I was able to go up there and take that job where I had some friends that worked for the, the Blade, the newspaper up in Toledo, and then worked my way into becoming the sports editor there for a year. And then uh, I really just wanted to get back to Columbus and, and, you know, loved hockey. And when this job came open, a lot of people said, you know, he, you, you got to try for it. And so, you know, like I said, with the connections I built over the years and how much I love the sport and how much I love the city of Columbus. I threw my, threw my resume in and said, you know, hopefully at least I'll get a, I'll get a look and, you know, did some interviews and got lucky enough to be hired. So uh, it, it's kind of worked out. People ask me that all the time. How do you get where you are in your career? And it is tough because I know a lot of people uh, who were probably just as good as me, if not better, who, you know, it just didn't work out for them. They ended up going a different route. They ended up going to law school or ended up getting other jobs just because whether it be the lifestyle uh, or just, you know, you never know where the jobs are going to come from and stuff like that and the job security. You know, a lot of people, you know, kind of ended up going different routes, but I kind of stuck with it. You know, worked hard. I, you know, kept kind of improving. I kept being good at it, I think, and then knew the right people that when jobs open, uh, I was able to get them. So, yeah, you're right. I didn't necessarily expect this was something that was ever going to happen. And in fact, not even two years ago would I have expected this mm -hmm. was something that was going to happen. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, it's a great job. I get to work with some great people. I get to be around a great sport, uh, you know there's so much fun that we do get to have and, and, you know, being able to tell the, the stories of the players on the team, I really do enjoy it. And so it's, it's worked out really well and it's worked out for the best. And you dropped into the, one of the blue jackets, best seasons uh, with that playoffs, especially. Um, but I know a lot happened during that year and this year and that you've only been with the blue jackets for a little bit, but uh, what are some of the best memories you've had so far? Whether that's on the ice or off the ice. Yeah, no, I would certainly say the playoff series has to stand out. I mean, seeing Nationwide Arena rocking the way that it was uh, for games three and four last year and to see, you know, there's so many people in the organization from players to coaches to staff members to just people, uh, front office, people who worked, you know, just behind the scenes for 20 years who had waited for that moment for so long. Uh, and to see it finally happen and, and see people, you know, Obviously, during the whole thing, the, the team kept saying and the players kept saying, you know, our goal was to win the Stanley Cup. One round doesn't mean anything. Um, but one round meant a lot to a lot of people. You know, people yeah. had waited for that for a long, long time. And to do it the way that the Blue Jackets did it, you know, take this historic team that pretty much everyone thought was unbeatable and was going to walk to a Stanley Cup and to sweep them the way that they did. Uh, you know, it's something you'll remember forever. You know, I remember my laptop getting covered with popcorn. Uh, just from people, you know, in front of press row, throwing popcorn up in the air when they score the empty net goals. And uh, just the, the sheer excitement of Columbus and Nationwide Arena when that all happened. 
uh, you know, it was, a, it was a stretch there that is really, you know, going to be very hard to forget. Uh, that really stands out on the ice. And, you know, there's, there's games where, you know, you can just tell that everybody comes together and plays their butts off and wins a game, and you go in that locker room and see how satisfied they are. I mean, those are the ones, you know, it's really cool to kind of see that uh, when it happens. And then off the ice, I think, you know, obviously we get to, you know, travel a lot and go to some pretty cool places, and, and that's a really uh, a neat thing to get to do. And, and this year we, we uh, were up there at the Western Canada trip. Uh, actually, each of the last two years, we've kind of taken a getaway to, to Banff up there in the nice. Canadian yeah, Rockies. Very nice. yeah. Yeah, and it, it's absolutely stunningly gorgeous up there. Uh, and not a place I really ever thought I'd get a chance to see. And now over the last couple of years, getting a chance to go up there, you know, that Western Canada trip, you know, spending time, whether it be Banff or Vancouver or even Calgary and Edmonton, it, it's a pretty neat place to be. So, you know, there are a lot of good memories doing stuff like that with good people. There's such a good group of us that travel on the road, you know, media and support staffers and stuff like that, that spend a lot of time together when we're on the road. Uh, and so, you know, we, I think we all have a lot of good memories of, of some of the trips we've gotten to take together and some of the good times we've got to spend. Uh, and so that's one thing that's also really neat is when you come to work every day and you're working with good people, uh, that, that really makes it a lot easier to want to come to work. Uh, and I think there's a lot of good people working for the team and working around the team and working in the media and things like that. Uh, you know, we all have a good time together and, and there's been mm -hmm. a lot of memories that have been made just kind of being on the road or, you know, getting the chance to spend that time together. And I think that's awesome. And I mean, with every experience, uh, especially like I've, I've been speaking to people on the podcast, uh, from Vegas to here in Columbus and many different things that that travel and that time on the road uh, a lot of people don't get to experience that I remember uh, Dave Metzl uh, when he was on the podcast he said um, that only so many people get the opportunity to do uh, what you guys do and get to travel to all the other 30 cities uh, so I think it's a lucky job and also uh, something that not a lot of people get to experience. No, you're totally right. I mean, I sit here every day and think about how lucky I am that this sort of worked out for me. And, you know, it's, you know, there's certainly a lot of perks with the job too, that you kind of look every once in a while, we all look around and look at each other and go, like, can you believe we get to do this? I mean, it really yeah. almost doesn't feel like reality at times. And, and uh, Dave Metzold is one of those guys, uh, you know, that we get to try when I mentioned the good people we travel with uh, Metz is at the top of that list and he kind of keeps us going too where, uh, you know, we're in a road city and Metz is like, hey, I'm going to go do this. And, you know, he loves to go around. If you follow him on social media, uh, you certainly see he loves the travel part of it. He likes to go to see the sites wherever we are. And so, you know, if you ever want to go around and see a city, Metz is willing to go do it with you. And so he's one of those guys uh, that keeps us all from just sitting in the hotel rooms. Uh, and so he's a lot of fun to go out there with uh, and, you know, getting dinners or saying, hey, we're going to go, go, let's go do this. Let's go do that. You know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I know you're, he's totally right. And, and you're totally right that we are absolutely lucky that we get to do this. And so, uh, and, and don't think that, you know, I don't think about that all the time because I really do. It's something that you, uh, you know, when you get this far, you still have to kind of look back and think about the fact that, uh, you know, you put in a lot of hard work and a lot of long nights to get here, but uh, at the same time, you're very lucky to have gotten to where you are. Yeah. And now to cap off everything here, um, let's change back uh, to the qualifying series at how far, do you see the Jackets uh, going in this tournament? Uh, you've been with them for a few years now to see their potential. Um, it seems, like I said, uh, to be a faster-paced schedule. Uh, so do you think their young legs and their younger team are suited uh, for this style? I think so. I, I don't know. I just, for some reason, you know, I'm not generally good at predicting things. I mean, last year, I'll be honest with you, I didn't have a ton of uh, positivity going into yeah. the series just because of – how good that team was that the of Blue course, Jackets yeah. were playing. Um, but for some reason, I have a good vibe. I have a good feel about this. I think the thing that helped so much last year is that, you know, they had had, they gained that playoff experience. You know, they, in 2017, they had a great season, uh, won 50 games, you know, were kind of the most surprising team in the NHL, uh, but lost to Pittsburgh in that first round. And that was the first playoff series that they'd had in three years. And then the next year, they come in and face Washington. And you could tell what they had learned from that series the year before. And they weren't able to finish it off in the first round, but they, you know, they, they got better because they had that more experience. And then last year, you know, they had the experience of what happens when you go up two nothing in a series. Uh, and they were able to use that experience to their advantage and then close out a series. And so I think this team has been building and building for a while. I think, you know, they really trust each other. They really believe in each other. You know, they've really built this internally. And I think you're going to start seeing the rewards of that reaped here coming forward. I mean, I think, they never would have had a good, as good a season as they did with all the injuries if they had not kind of built this kind of mentality uh, on this team of what it means to be a Blue Jack and how they stick together and how they battle through things. 
Um, and I, it, it, they were able to get through the, you know, the free agent defections and the injuries because of that. Uh, now that they got everybody back, I think it's going to help them a lot in this playoff. And I just feel like it's kind of their time. I feel like, you know, you look the, the teams that end up really having great, uh, great times in the postseason and, and go really far are teams. They build, they build, you know, they learn, they learn, they get experience, and then it all kind of comes together. Uh, and I think the Blue Jackets are at a point where over these next couple of years it's going to come together. Uh, and we're going to see m- more than just a playoff round victory. I think we're going to see, you know, two or three, if not four playoff round victories. <laughs> we'll see. The way that this team has been built. So um, will it happen this year? I, I have a good vibe, at least at the start. It's going to be hard to win, you know, as many games as they're going to be playing and as many teams are in this. It's going to be hard to go super far if you're one of the teams that has to play in the first round. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I feel good about what this team is and what it's built. And, and I think uh, they've really got a pretty good chance here in this Toronto series. Uh, and then who knows what can happen. You kind of go from there and keep going. But, uh, you know, I think this season was a little bit of a rebuild, and they, they figured out what they had to during this rebuild. And I really like what the direction of this franchise is going forward. And uh, like you said, with the injuries, everything happens for a reason. And uh, you're going to have to win more games to get uh, to win the Stanley Cup this year anyways. Uh, so I can't wait to see what happens uh, when the Jackets journey starts on August 2nd. And they travel down um, to Toronto on uh, July 26th. So, uh, Jeff, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, do you have anything else to add? That was pretty much it. I'm just saying, I'm just excited to kind of have some hockey back here. It, uh, it was a long uh, break there uh, with so much uncertainty. And, you know, I, I really hope that we can kind of finish this off because, you know, you play 70 games into a season and go through the things that the Blue Jackets went through this year and, and to not have it end uh, would be very disappointing. And, you know, to see this team at least have a crack at the Stanley Cup and hopefully everything, you know, everybody stays safe and everything goes well and we're able to get this thing off the ground and, uh, you know, have the greatest postseason there is in sports. Uh, I can't wait for it. So it's going to be really exciting. Uh, uh, exciting thing to see and hopefully everything goes well and we can keep it going here and it was exciting to see all the excitement on Twitter today and hopefully we just hope that uh, all the teams can make it safely uh, to the bubble on the 26th uh, Jeff thank you uh, so much uh, for coming on and uh, stay safe and stay healthy and thanks you too I hope you enjoyed that great interview with Jeff Svoboda of the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, who is their insider and writes for BlueJackets.com. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much uh, for coming on, especially with your busy schedule. Uh, it was great to hear about everything going on in training camps. And uh, now let's talk about everything across the league. Um, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, the great news that the NHL and the NHLPA, uh, they have voted to approve the CBA, the Memo of Understanding, Phase 3 and Phase 4 Protocols. Um, it seems like the NHL Board of Governors vote was unanimous, and the NHL PA vote uh, is reportedly 502 uh, players in favor to 135 players who were not in favor. Um, and obviously, uh, we did expect this to be passed, um, but I don't think anyone expected it to be uh, unanimous from the players' point of view. Um, so. I mean, I, I, I think that it's still a great number and uh, players do have the opportunity to opt out. Um, but who knows? Maybe it wasn't about the return to play. May, some players uh, didn't want to return to play, but they liked the CBA. Some players uh, didn't like the CBA, but wanted to return to play. Uh, so those are the different things there. Um, but some things uh, with that announcement coming out. Um, the NHL and the NHLPA officially announced that Toronto and Edmonton will be the hub cities, uh, or what they are calling their secured zones. Um, and the Edmonton will house the Western Conference, and Toronto will house the Eastern Conference. Um, so, also they released the schedule for the first ten days of the Stanley Cup qualifiers. Um, something I cannot wait for. Um, and I'm going to read off the schedule. Um, so August 1st is the first day that NHL games that count for something, uh, will start. And, uh, in Toronto, uh, the New York Rangers and Carolina Hurricanes series will begin uh, with game one. Uh, so will the Florida Panthers and New York Islanders game along with the Montreal Canadiens and Pittsburgh Penguins series. Uh, in Edmonton, there will be two games uh, that day. It will be Chicago and Edmonton uh, as one series, and the second series that will be going on is uh, 
the Jets and the Flames. And then August 2nd, uh, we have our first round robin games. Uh, our, we have the Boston Bruins and the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, in the qualifying round, we have the Blue Jackets and Toronto Maple Leafs. In the Western Conference, a uh, round robin game of the Blues and Avalanche. In the qualifying round in Edmonton, uh, we have the Coyotes and the Predators, and then the Wild and the Canucks. So the first two days are five games each day, and then the other ones will be six games every day, uh, considering that uh, obviously some ga- games four and five are only if necessary. Uh, I could read off the whole schedule if you wanted, um, but of course you can just go on our social media and see that um, because there are a lot of games going on. But let me just tell you, you can also see that on the NHL app. I know uh, someone who loves hockey. Going on the NHL app and seeing games on the schedule now is something that feels really good. And to have six games, almost like a March Madness style, um, where you're going to have so many games a day, um, I think it's going to be so exciting, and I can't wait uh, for that to happen. In addition to the schedule being released, uh, we do know uh, some critical dates. And so all those games, uh, the Stanley Cup qualifiers and the round robin, that will start on August 1st, and the last games will conclude at the end of the day on August 9th. August 10th will be a mandatory day off for the teams that are still in the playoffs after that. Uh, but something else happens on August 10th as well. Um, so like I said at the beginning of the podcast, July 13th, training camps open, uh, which they did today. And July 26th, all teams will travel to the hub city uh, and they will get situated in the hotels. And if you're Edmonton or Toronto, you will travel um, to the bubble in the secure zone, even though you're in that city. And then uh, exhibition games, which will also be televised. They mean nothing. We don't know who they're going to play. Each team will get one uh, exhibition game. Uh, They will be going from July 28th to July 30th. And then a mandatory day off on the 31st of July. Uh, August 1st, uh, like I said, the Stanley Cup qualifiers begin. And August 10th is phase two of the NHL draft lottery. So we will find out uh, who will be picking Alex Lefanier, uh, and uh, those will be, of course, in the draft lottery, will be the losers of the qualifying round. And then August 11th is the planned date for the first round beginning. That's when it will begin. Um, August 25th is when the second round begins. Uh, then September 8th, the conference finals will begin. That's when families can start coming into the bubble. September 22nd is when the Stanley Cup finals will begin. October 4th is uh, seven is the last possible day of the Stanley Cup final. And then August 9th and 10th uh, will be the NHL draft. Uh, and then it seems like uh, it sounds like seven days after the last final game uh, or after the draft, uh, then we'll have the free agency, of course. Uh, but the NHL hasn't pinpointed that date yet. But of course, uh, with all these things, all these dates are tentative. Um, but it's great to hear all that schedule. And I mean, things are going to go really quickly. So if you have two goaltenders, if you have fresh legs, um, I, I think that's going to be very helpful because something we did see in the series uh, and with the schedule is in the qualifying round, uh, you will have a back-to-back, uh, whether that's early or later in the series. There will be a back-to-back uh, in the series. Uh, so I think that's very interesting. Um, the playing round, uh, the round robin, uh, they will not be having back-to-backs, but the qualifying round will. And we don't know if there will be back-to-backs um, in the regular Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't think there would be. Um, but there's also other questions about, uh, is this the playoffs? They call it the Stanley Cup qualifiers. Um, but according to the NHL public relations uh they said for stat statistical reasons this is considered the postseason um but not the playoffs or it is the playoffs that's still a question i don't think that's been solved uh, i mean it has to do with uh i mean with conditional trades like if this team makes the playoffs we get this pick blah 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 um also with bonuses and other like statistical things like 
Uh, did this team make it five years consecutively in the playoffs, even if they lost a qualifying round? Those are things uh, that still have to be figured out. Uh, but something that the NHLPA and the NHL made sure to put in the CBA in the Memo of Understanding is that players can opt out uh, without any reason. They just have to let teams know um, that and by 5 o'clock on the July 13th. And at this moment, we are a little bit before 5 o'clock uh, when I am recording uh, this new segment. Um, so these are all the players right now that we have uh, that have opted out. Uh, Steven Kampfer of the Boston Bruins. Travis Hamonic uh, from the Calgary Flames. Mike Green from Edmonton. Carl Ausner uh, from the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Sven Bertishi uh, from the Vancouver Canucks. Um, Rowan Pollock uh, from the Dallas Stars. Uh, Zach Trotman uh, from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mikhail Vorobayov uh, from the Philadelphia Flyers. Nikolov uh, Goldbin uh, from the Vancouver Canucks. Um, so those are the players that have opted out at this moment in time. Uh, and if there are more, uh, we'll let you know. Um, but right now, those are the players that are opting out. Um, everyone has their reasons, uh, whether that's family health reasons, family health reasons, uh, or other reasons. Uh, everyone uh, should be uh, have no penalty, and uh, this is a difficult time. Uh, so I respect their decisions if they decided to do that. Now, another player that hasn't opted out yet uh, is Max Domi. He has type 1 diabetes. Uh, he plays for the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal Canadiens and Max Domi have agreed uh, to decide if he's going to come back and play or join training camps uh, 7 to 10 days after the start of training camps, which was today. Um, and that's just because uh, there's a lot of things going on to see if it's safe enough for him to go because he is at risk if he gets coronavirus. And right now we are getting reports that um, originally, they said three players uh, tested positive for coronavirus in Montreal as the Montreal Canadiens, uh, but two of those tests were uh, false positives, so it looks like only one player is tested positive now. Uh, so Max Domi and the Montreal Canadiens will have to scope out that situation and see what's going on uh, before they make a final decision. Um, in other NHL news uh, with COVID-19, um, the NHL, they said uh, that um, out of the people they've tested in Phase 2, a total of 30 players have tested positive uh, with 13 players that uh, haven't joined phase two, but they were known to be testing positive. That are all of the COVID-19 tests uh, from phase two, and now they're going to start fresh uh, with phase three um, in their testing. Uh, one interesting thing that the NHL said is that during the Stanley Cup playoffs, the qualifiers and training camps, teams will not be able to say if a player is injured or if they are sick. Uh, with COVID-19, they will just have to say they are unfit to play uh, or they are unable to practice. Uh, so we will not know if they're injured or if they are sick with COVID-19. Um, in other NHL news, uh, a few coaching changes here. Uh, the New Jersey Devils uh, named Lindy Ruff as the head coach uh, and take off the interim label of their general manager, uh, Tom Fitzgerald, so he is now the full-time general manager. Uh, I like what they did with uh, Fitzgerald. I think he uh, is going to help get that team in the right direction in regards to them naming uh, Lindy Ruff as the coach. I mean, I, I, I think he's a he's a good coach. Uh, obviously, New York Rangers uh, fans weren't happy what he did uh, with the defense there, um, but he has won a Jack Adams. He is a good coach. I think he could help the New Jersey Devils. Uh, and with no disrespect to him, I just think it's an interesting uh, call, especially with, um, I mean, a lot of other great coaches out there, Peter Lafayette, um, and uh, ju that's just to name one. Uh, I mean, there's with Gallant and Babcock, there's a lot of great coaches out there uh, to choose from. And so, I mean, he was with the New York Rangers right now. Lindy was. Uh, so I think it's an interesting choice, and uh, we'll see if it pays off or not. Uh, but with another coaching change, the Minnesota Wild, who are in the playing round, uh, they name Dean Evans 
Avassin uh, as their head coach. They removed the interim label off his job. Uh, he's had a decent run with them, and so, uh, of course, we'll see what happens in the qualifying rounds. Um, but um, that is all we have for the NHL news this week. Uh, it was a little longer segment. Uh, there is a lot to talk about, and uh, maybe the NHL news uh, will taper off a little bit as training camps go on, but maybe it will just get even busier. Um, but thank you so much uh, for listening to this new segment. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, but that is it. I hope you enjoyed that fantastic interview with Jeff Svoboda, uh, the Blue Jackets insider, about uh, training camps, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, and his job. I also hope you enjoyed the NHL news. Um, I mean, there's a lot to talk about. Of course, when it revolves Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast, uh, we will be covering uh, the qualifying rounds, uh, and we will still be called Quarantine Hockey HQ Podcast uh, because the rest of the world is still in quarantine right now. Um, but we are really excited um, to get more into to the qualifying rounds. Of course, I recommend you go back and listen uh, to our new segment with Dave Gosher uh, from a few episodes ago where we talk about the qualifying rounds. Uh, we talk about the matchups and give who we think uh, would win each series. Um, Make sure, even though the big news of the NHL has happened, things happen all the time along with different things in training camps, coach hirings, everything like that. So make sure you follow us on social media, on Twitter at HockeyHQPodcast, on Instagram and Facebook at QuarantineHockeyHQ. If you'd like to ask me any questions um, about the podcast, uh, or about NH- the NHL as well, um, be sure to let us know. Uh, you can leave us a message on our social media pages, or if you go to anchor.fm slash quarantinehockeyhq. We have a lot of great interviews lined up. Uh, next week is Allison Lucan uh, from The Athletic, who covers the Columbus Blue Jackets. So if you have any questions uh, for her, make sure that you... Leave us uh, your questions on social media or on our website. And if you'd like to listen to any other past uh, episodes of the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast, please go to linktr.ee slash quarantine hockey HQ. I know that is a lot to talk about, and we've had so much NHL news this week. Uh, so it is very exciting, um, but I'm going to me- make sure that uh, we are covering it all for you uh, as things get going here. Uh, So be sure to keep on listening to our podcast. My name is Zachary Rodier, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks.